The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. Welcome to another episode of the Perth Football Podcast. That was pretty loud there, wasn't I? Um, to my left, we've got Betham. Betham, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm terrific, mate. Had a pretty crap evening. But aside from that, we're here in the booth. We're feeling good. We're talking football, so feeling great. Glad to hear. Just in front of you, Mr. Football WA, Tommy Dolman. Tommy, how are you? I'm good, Kalichi. I love that you uh, got that moniker now. And it's just it's just sticking. It's just uh, sticking. I feel a little bit. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but, but thank you. Mate, just wear it. You're wearing it well. There's a grumpy guy in the uh, Women's State League page who's upset that people like him who's had 25 years worth of experience and know the game aren't getting enough attention. So, mate, if you're getting it after your, what, 10, 15 years of experience, eh, pretty good moniker. I've got no comment on that. <laughs> and the, uh, the I don't know, the Duchess of the Perth Football Podcast, the Queen of the D- Perth Football Podcast. What should we call you, Sam? You just call me Sam, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> just call you by your name. Yeah. Cool. No problem. Look, you don't have Sean today, unfortunately, so it's not going to be as fun or as funny as a podcast, but I think it might be a bit more informative and dorky. Probably a lot more dorky, but we will start with a sensational game. We'll call, talk the women's in sorry the women's MPL to start with, and we were all there on Saturday night. We'll set the scene. It's Saturday night. It's a little bit nippy, a little bit cold, but the football was spectacular, and it was uh, enough to keep us warm. With uh, Belcatter running out two one winners against Perth, Sam. What did you see? What did you notice from that game? Um. I think for me, I think, I, well, I was chatting to you during the game, wasn't I, where I said Balcarra have literally just allowed Perth to play in front of them. And Perth, Perth in all fairness, was, was playing some decent passages of play. Like there was third man movements, they were switching the point of attack, they were doing it quickly. But then as soon as it got to that final final quarter of the pitch, it kind of fell apart a little bit and they wanted to receive it a little bit more to feet as opposed to maybe trying to test them in beyond and stuff like that. But then... I mean, you have to give Balcata credit. They they set up they set up the way they wanted to do, and they did it well. Um, and I think the front line for Balcata, as well as their back line, did did bits. I think April Nasson working hard at the front, and then Tia with the goals, and Mo Prinsloo as well, forcing um, stuff in the after, like in the later stages of the game, forcing turnovers from Perth. You have to give credit to them. But then if you look at it from a Perth point of view, they were there: Gemma Crane, Ellie Lamont. You know they've been hit by big injuries, and they can they could be the difference there. I mean, you, yeah, you, you mentioned that, but from the other perspective, is you've got a team who uh, have only won one game this season. Um, obviously, the league is very very tight, and three points could take them up to fifth. I think is is what's going to happen there for Balcatta. Um, but you're playing a team who has only had one win all season. They've come in to frustrate you and sit deep with a bunch, which I assume a lot of teams are going to do as a game plan to beat Perth. So maybe they might be a little bit disappointed with that, especially with that first half, because it didn't look like they came up with a lot of cut and thrust. I'm not going to give you any searing analysis here, Kalichi, but 
there's an element of Balcata really wanting that. that. Their work rate from the first whistle was on it. Tia was pressing hard. Monique was working hard. Apple Nossen as well, as, as Sam alluded to. And I thought Lauren Consumibali put in a massive shift in the centre of the park as well. She was an absolute warrior. She was snapping into challenges. She was disrupting that Perth midfield. They love to play through the likes of Meekins and Monique Godding. And, and I thought those those players, the likes of Consumibali and Hocking, were really good and really valuable in disrupting that. And the big difference that I noticed in terms of their structure um, was Kim McCartney going back into the centre of defence. Um, she's a player that's sort of played in the number 10 position a little bit um, for the, a little bit of last season, but mainly at the beginning of this year. And, and I think she's a good player. I just don't think that's her natural position. I think she's a little bit better when she's a bit more withdrawn and she can see a bit more of the game in front of her. She's very intelligent. She's very good at reading the play. And I think we saw that the confidence in that Balcata um, backline really stand up. But um, just in general, it was a great team performance. And um, in terms of those front players, that partnership has had a lot of potential. It was one I was pretty excited about, Monique Prinzel and Tia Stone, who we've just not really seen any dividends sort of pay out mm. from that. But we saw it did come off at the weekend. And, um, yeah, they were actually Balcata's first away goals of the season. I think they only had 12 um, coming wow. into the game and nine of them were scored on the opening day against Curtin. So they have they have struggled to find that final three formula, but they may have a little bit more confidence now to express themselves, not just because of the result they've got, but because of that base um, predominantly through the likes of, of McCartney that we were talking about. You mentioned McCartney and I was there with you, Sam, and I... I'd only seen Balcata a handful of times last season and hadn't seen them in, in, in the flesh this season as well. And I, two minutes into the game, I looked at Sam and I was like, Sam, who on earth is that <laughs> at the back? And she's like, oh, that's Kim. She's been here for years. She's just been injured all year. And I was just like, just you could see the presence about her, the way that she commanded the, the, the back line moving up and down the pitch, the way that she stroked passes into the midfield. Having such a commanding centre back next to Sean's favourite uh, rider, EJ Douse, that's got to be such a tip for them, right? Look, I want to take a bit of credit for that Balcata win. I don't, <laughs> remember, don't remember if you remember last week, I fired a few shots at Balcata's creativity. Oh, gee. Oh, <laughs> all I'm saying... It's no, all me, me, me. All I'm saying, I called the shots and now they're beating Perth. It's not a coincidence. What, did you, what did you suggest that they would do? Because we <laughs> could play the tape. Oh, look, my memory isn't that great, but uh, <laughs> I think I said some inspiring words being about, about being creative and stuff. And then, well, Tia comes out with that creative goal so oh, i mean mate. i just i'm just putting two and two together here so you know it, it was it I, 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 I was just astounded by the, the determination and um maybe there was an element of backs to the wall and we've got nothing to lose here we're against the team who are top of the league um balcata had never taken a point off perth in the npl yeah. women's era um they'd not scored in their last five games against them either the record is staggering against the Azuri over the eight games they've played them in the NPL women's era and they knocked them out of the state cup at the semi-final stage last season too so they really have been a bogey team and you had um, Balcata's assistant Yash was on the touchline he was just barking orders communicating with his players the whole day and normally Tim Cash is, is somebody who's a little bit more reserved he's someone who likes to sit and maybe put a bit more of an analytical eye on things um, but even he was sort of getting a little bit animated. So you can see the team just really wanted it in general and it really showed in their performance, I thought. But um, I, I suppose on the on the consequence of that, it's interesting now because that's two losses in three for Perth now. And, and as Sam mentioned before, they've got some big outs. And um, it'll be interesting to see how things progress from here because they've got Fremantle City coming up this weekend. And um, prior to the weekend, they'd been in good form, but we'll come on to them shortly. Yeah, we'll come on to them in a minute. But I just wanted to like see if you had any other things to, to say around Perth in terms of rounding it up because... They did have some pretty strong performances there, and, and Judy Connolly is just 
So impressive. Where she receives the ball, the touches that she takes, a quality player. I don't think that they were missing. I know that they were missing players, but I don't think, I think that a team of their stature with their uh, ambitions and their goals and having a really good coach and Pete would have set them up in a certain way. They probably were disappointed about the first half at, at very, at the very least. Yeah. I think, I think like if you look, I'm not, I'm not going to change my mind. I think on paper, Perth are still the best team on paper. I think, it's no, it's no disrespect when I say they're missing Gemma and Ellie. I think they're just different players, so they offer a different um, outlet for the for the team to play through. They've even got the top goal scorer in Dunks as well, who scored a Correct. Oh, that was a great finish, and and like she will pop up with that goal, so that that that's important too. I just think, um, like like you said with Judy, I think she's one of the most underrated players in the league. I think she has been for a while. She's just very calm, very collected. And she's she's got a really good footballing brain as well, which I think sometimes it goes a really long way, especially in the current league. Leave my mind when you told me how old she was, because I was like, I'm pretty sure she's 27. You're like, no. Yeah, no. I don't think she'll appreciate that. <laughs> Poppy Hooks was fantastic as well. She looked yeah. like the player that was really going to put the team on her back and <laughs> pull them up the pitch. And I think Pete could see that as well, because um, when Faye Phillips went off, I think it was it was obviously a force change because she was injured, but Poppy went a little bit further up the field in the substitute. I think it was Ruby Marshall came in at fullback. Um, but she looks like the player who really had the appetite to try and get something for the team. Um, you used the word outlet before, Sam, which I found quite interesting because that was kind of what Perth were missing. So often we see it where mm. the, the out ball in a sense and Perth usually try to build up from the back through Pete, but there is occasions where you do get pressed and you do get suffocated a little bit because the team are really in your face, especially when you've got someone like Tear up there who's not going to give you a second on the ball to play out. And just sometimes having that outlet, that pace ball, that sorry, that that outlet for pace, you can put it in front of Ellie, who's so rapid and she can get onto it and is really damaging in transition. Or by the same token, you can get the ball to Gemma's feet and she's probably the best ball carrier in the league. Mm. She can break a line. She can beat two challenges. Mm. And suddenly the defense is at sixes and sevens. So just maybe the adjustment to not having either of those two outlets was something that Perth didn't have at the weekend um, up their sleeve. And that's something that they're going to, um, from what we understand, have to get used to at least for the next couple of weeks anyway. Do you think there was a bit of complacency for Perth? Because like you said, Dakota haven't beat Perth before. I mean, they had that, I mean, smashing against Curtin, which is standard these days, day and age. Do you think coming into it, they looked at the results from Dakota in the past, were high off the Curtin win and such. Do you reckon there might have been a bit of complacency of that? Or do you think no. they need to prepare? No, no, um, no I, don't, I don't think so. I think I think for, I think you have to applaud Balcata's effort. And actually, I thought Perth in the second half came out with a bit of impetus. And, yeah. and when they got the goal through through Jamie Duncanson, I thought that they were the team that probably had the momentum at that point. And, and we sort of, from where I was sat anyway doing the commentary, I sort of thought maybe that that's the goal. That's going to give them the boost. Balcata are going to drop back now, try to defend out their points. But... They they obviously weren't they they obviously went on and did even better than that and they had chances before that Monique Prinsley crossed for Tia Stonehill who put a left footed shot over the bar and and Perth did have their opportunities yeah, too he put so. up a terrific yeah. save in the mm-hmm. I think from, it was two from shot. Faye, yeah, yeah. Um, but look Azuri uh, with Perth having that result means that we've got a new leader at the top of the table with a three two commanding win and I'm I'm not going to say that I tipped them to win the league at the start of the year because I did tip them to win the league at the start of the year. Me and too. No one, and no one's been talking about them and they've just been quietly taking care of business and now they're top of the league and they had some spectacular goals, which we didn't get to see live, unfortunately. But did you guys manage to get a chance to see the goals? I have seen the goals. Um, two great goals. Uh, well, Sam was there, actually. I should probably... 
divert to her first. She can she can you probably can tell us what. No, you can tell us what happened, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was very in the middle. It was quite end to end at the start. Um, and then ball just dropped. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her name, and I don't want to butcher it. Um, but the midfielder who um is just Kagami. Raina Kagami, yeah, the Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. She's she was just insane. Like she was, she was just holding it, just being really stable, and just letting the other people play around her. And it just dropped to her foot, and she looked as she's running towards. You can see her look up, and she just hits it, and it goes straight in over the top of Frio's um, goalkeeper's head. As soon as she, it was one of those that you know when they hit it, and you're like, that's in. And that's, was that for one nil? That was one nil, yeah. Oh. Um, and then, um, this the. Red Star, the other goal that was really, really good was um, Quinns, who I th- who played a lot of the first half of last season in the 21s for Red Star, so she's made the move up as well. So, um, like, I guess it's good for Red Star because they're showing that development process as well. But she a bit of a mix-up at the back from Fremantle. I think um, Kathy Adams, you running through, and then a bit of a mix-up with the goalkeeper. Um, good press from Red Star and then just fell nicely to Quinn, who's hit it from... I think pretty much close to the halfway line from where I was seeing where it looked like, and then she's that's gone straight in over the top of the keeper's head as well. So, Jeez. and then on the other end, you look at um, they had Shivani back, and I probably jinxed her a bit, didn't I? Because I kind of said she, she's <laughs> she's holding them solid at the back, um, and then she's had a bit of a clangor on two of the goals, but that won't happen every week with Shiv. So, it's um it's interesting, uh, Kagami. I saw her a couple of weeks ago at Subiaco and she is a classy operator in the middle of the park. I think she is going to be right up there in the gold medal reckoning. Um, I'm convinced of that. She is um, a, a class above a lot of the players that I've seen um, in the cent- in the central areas. of Just her middle. technique? She's just simple. Just she, she, she's got great technique and she's got a great reading of the play as well. Like she knows exactly where to be at every occasion. So like she tell she, she almost seems to intelligently telegraph where the next pass is going to be. And if it's not there, then she makes herself available in a certain position where she thinks she needs to receive the pass to put her team on the front foot. I think she's, um, she's excellent. And we've not seen the best of the, the other Japanese signing yet because she, she suffered an injury against Perth. You may remember Kalichi. I think we were there, um, but she's come off the bench the last couple of weeks. So, um, she's getting back to, to, to full fitness, but yeah, but that's got to be some midfield though. Cause I mean, if, like the way you've just described that person, you've basically described another Jay Coleman in a, in a, in a, in a sense, but, but now this one's got a bit more goal scoring capabilities as well. Well, you've, you've suddenly got a midfield three when fully fit of, of Jay Coleman, uh, Raina Kagami and, and potentially Olivia Wood in there if you want to play her centrally. And that is as good a midfield three as anywhere in the league. Um, it, I, I sort of had a little bit of a concern early in the season that, that Red Star maybe wouldn't quite have the same punch in the final third that they did last year. Obviously, Larissa uh, Walsh scored so many goals for them last season. And to go back to out balls, that was what Red Star had so often last season. They had that ball into the channel. They had that opportunity to utilise Larry's pace. Um, but the adjustment um, that they've made to be able to score goals in different ways is is something that you've really got to give credit, Carlos. Um, credit to Carlos for. Thanks to Emma from uh, the Squareboard Analytics. We've got some stats here, which kind of give them a, a bit of more of an insight into the game and make me think that Fremantle will be there or thereabouts. I mean, shots and chances created. Fremantle had more. Fremantle had more of the ball, more broken line plays, um, better, better, better line breaking success rate as well. So, was it just a case of being done by two, two and a half spectacular, three spectacular goals? That were, were Fremantle really in this game and had an impetus to, to potentially get a point or maybe a win? Uh, it was it was back and forth. It was back and forth. I think a lot of Fremantle's 
play where they were breaking lines, they were wide and they were down the line. So they weren't, you know, like Jamie, she's going to hate me for saying this, but Jamie Girl had a chance at the end where she could have put it level and um, she put the ball over the top. But again, that's that's into a wide player, that's into a wide channel. So it's not necessarily through balls right down the middle. Um, so And Laura Watman had a chance as well early in the game. Early in the game, yeah, almost like it was from a red, red star mistake as well. So, yeah. She hit the bar as well, didn't she, Jamie? Yeah, in she the, did. In the second she did half. In the second half. Um, it was a bit more of an arm wrestle from the times 1.5 speed that I watched the second half in on streaming <laughs> yesterday when I was doing my rap. Obviously, being out for Mother's Day dinner, I didn't have a lot of time to write off, so I had to watch the game in a quicker mode. Ladies and um, gentlemen, that is the dedication <laughs> Mr. Football is taking here. He's gone, Mum, I've got some work to do. Let me put this on. No, but I didn't rush away from the dinner, Kalichi. Don't paint no, me no, as no, a bad no, son. No, 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 no. I'm not painting you by, as the bad son at all. I'm painting you as a good football, proper footballing man of WA, mate. Oh, that is terrific dedication. Even well. Proper football, man. That's even more insulting, Kalichi. <laughs> And Curtin, they got themselves a goal. Did you see the goal, guys? I did. I you did, yeah. I am just stoked that it was Tiana Botha who scored the goal because she has been terrific for them um, in terms of her pressing, her work rate, the fact that she is a calmed, she's a calm like lighthouse within the storm as well. So I kind of feel it's pretty fitting that the first goal of the season goes to her and goes to her because she was doing some incredible pressing as well. <laughs> Yeah, well that's that, <laughs> well that's it. Like, I mean, it was a um, it was a bizarre goal. I, I couldn't. I mean, they count, right? Well, I couldn't quite figure out wh- the trajectory of the ball when it yeah. happened when I first watched it. But obviously, I've gone back a couple of times, like you say, and um, that was that was purely as a result of the industry shown by Tiana. So she she worked really hard for that, and um, and Curtin have, have worked really hard for it. I, I know it's obviously not been the season that. Um, they would have liked. I'm sure they they didn't. They came into the season hoping to do a lot better, but you still have to give credit to the girls who are going out there every weekend and, and playing and trying their hardest. It's a tough, it would be a lot a, easier to just forfeit the games, it's, right? It's a tough situation to be in, but um, but yeah, they do deserve they do deserve um, credit for, for still showing up and, and playing games every weekend for sure. Um, and you were also, I think you got a chance to see the cracking finish from um, Clara Harlow. Uh, we saw the highlights that were, were posted on the Friday night. Um, yeah, she's a terrific player. It's it's not a not a big surprise um, that she's excelling, and they've got a nice midfield, don't they? With with Clara, with Charlie, who's beca- who stepped up I, and become yeah, a real I leader. Think, I think she had a really good game, Charlie. When I was I watched it online, she, I think it's interesting because she's still really young, and I think because she's been around for for a long time now. Like I remember her coming trialing at Queens Park. And she was just this little kid that was just running around like, and she was smashing people in her defense. But like now you see her and she's very calm. She's very collected. She's, she is almost like that role model for the younger girls who are not that much younger than her. So I think that's, that's a big credit to her as a person and a player, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I suppose I I don't want to, this is maybe not the right phrase, but not that she had to grow up quickly, but obviously there were so many departures after the team that won the two back-to-back league titles. And she was the only real player that stayed. I think Poppy was there last season mm. for, for a portion of the campaign as well. Um, but Charlie was there throughout and she, she was given the captain's armband and there was a lot of young players, a lot of players who were 16, 17-year-olds, some of them even younger. And and she really stepped up. They've, they've got a couple of other experienced players in the team. I know Stacey Cavill's gone across from Curtin as well. She's an experienced goalkeeper. Katie Schubert's obviously back in the um, in, in the defence as well. So It's got to be great having Katie Schubert back as well. Just such an experienced campaigner and just so positive. A calm head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. So, yeah, look, I mean... 
we, we haven't really spoken about Mom FC really because they've just been kind of going about their business very nicely. But they play football quite nicely, I think. They've, they've Like I said, they've got a good midfield that they play through. They've got some dangerous counter-attacking options. Sam Mathers was great against Balcatter a couple of weeks mm. ago. Goal and two assists. Um, you mentioned it's three wins in a row for them as well. Yeah, and they're fourth. Um, obviously, Fremantle City lost yesterday, so they're outright fourth in, in, in the top four now. And um, yeah, four wins and two draws from their six games. And, and Sam mentioned just before that their catch-up games against NTC on um, on Wednesday night this week. That's their game in hand um, over the teams above them. So, look, if they can get points in that game, they're suddenly only going to be one point behind Red Star in the title race, which is something I don't think anybody would have expected coming into the season. It certainly wasn't what I expected. I had them in the bottom two, goodness gracious me. But <laughs> if NTC win, do they go top of the league? They would, yeah. So they're, they're a point behind um, Red Star at the moment. Yep. And just worth noting as well... Um, Claudia Hullis, is, is that how you say her surname, Sam? Uh, Claudia, Claudia Hullis. Yeah, she's, so she got four goals yesterday in the NTC. Obviously, they won 8-1 against Curtin. Um, but she's the joint second top scorer in the league now. Um, and I think a lot of people expected that Tanika was going to be the player. Obviously, we've heard since that she's um, potentially off and um, going to be off and away doing some trials. But um, that's what the rumours are, at least. Anyway, we're not sure if that's been completely confirmed. No, yet. it's been confirmed by her dad. Her dad put it up uh, a post about it as well. So we're completely stoked for it. And she had also yeah. added a nice little write-up in the West Australian today. Absolutely. So check that out if you haven't seen it. But but Cla- but Claudia's stepped up and she's she's taken on the mantle. She's got seven goals. She's joined with Ellie Lamont and only Jamie Duncanson's got more than her in the league. So that's what you want. You want players who who have that confidence. And and you lose a big player like Tanika, who was the second top scorer in the league last year, and so important to their structure. And they've got a ready made replacement. And again, that's a testament to the coaching who have just been able to integrate her seamlessly and. One more shout out as well. Mia Britton um, loved her season so far as well. She's she's a real live wire on the flanks, and I think she's got a big future ahead of her as well. One of many in that team, I should add. Yeah, I think I think with Claudia as well, she she got a lot of our goals last year as well in the twenty ones. Um, I think it was probably a bit unfortunate to not win Golden Boot in the end, um, but she's she's playing in the nine. So you, realistically, if you play on if you play it out, you're asking a player to step up from twenty ones into first team. Perform consistently. Replace Tanika Lala. Replace Tanika Lala when you're a left winger and now you're being asked to play in the nine and you're learning a position in the highest league at a young age as well. And I think that goes to like the, the credit has to go to her as well and, and also Ben as well for and Nando and his team, Tommy, for yeah keeping her going. Look, before we finish off in the women's section, we've got uh, – what's the league called now? The State League, Premier <laughs> League, Finance League? Women's League Div One. Women's League Div One. Give us a, a quick wrap up of what's you coaching it, Benham. You should know. <laughs> it's changed about three times since January of this. Knows year, how to so. get Balcata ticky, but doesn't know the, the name of the league. <laughs> ah, look. I just say State League Freeze because even people in the competition don't know what the name of it is. When I'm on Squaddy trying to find it, I get confused. <laughs> so, ah, yeah. uh, quick wrap up. Yesterday, um, games. Obviously, my team Hamsley versus Port Kennedy, one seven one. Uh, which actually took us top of the table as UW versus Perth AFC was a 1-1 draw, mm-hmm. which I spoke to the coach of AFC and apparently he had a game plan against UW and it did well. He even thought, well, said far enough that he'd think they deserved to win. Wow. To be fair, I do know that Perth's their bogey team for UW. Because last season, Perth AFC beat them and such. So I was back in my mind while we were playing, I had in my hopes like, Surely AFC gets something out of this. Help us out. 
and Rob did. So I had my beer. Shout out to Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, Subiaco versus Sorrento. The Subiaco, Subiaco team's very, very young. 14. I think the average age is 15 there as well. Development team. Lovely girls improving every day. Unfortunately, lost 4-2 to Sorrento, who are an experienced team. Cool. And the last one, Armadale versus Manager, was a 8-0 thrashing in the favour of Mandra. I want to, obviously I wasn't on the pod last week, so I didn't get to ask you any questions, Ben, but um, you've had a couple of big inclusions come to the club this season in terms of Christy Astorp and, and Nadia Harvey. And um, I don't know how, how much of a deal, obviously, you want me to really make. I'm sure you'd much prefer me to keep it under the radar. But um, just having that calibre of player at the club must be so helpful for the girls that you've sort of been growing and developing with over the past few seasons and I suppose the hope is that obviously having players of that caliber at the club will mean that um, should you do put yourself in a position where you can be promoted to the NPL next season that you can possibly lean on them to maybe bring some experience to help you guys hit the ground running next season if it comes to that of course I'm sure it's still early and you'll be playing it down yeah no right now I'm thinking about this league because we've just come from amateurs as it was called half the team came from metros to this and I was like well if we're going to go up that level I need to try and get some players in. Still unsure how I got, you know, Christiane and Nadia, but um, look, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I actually tried getting Chris last season because someone told, someone gave me false information that she uh, was taking a break from NPL. So I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, slide in the DMs there. She wasn't taking a break, so I looked like an idiot. But um, spoke to her, did some talking with her, you know, convinced her to come over, came out a few sessions, and she liked the vibe. And through that, Nadia came along, tried speaking to Nadia about getting cast, but oh, that not, was going to be my not next quite question. There yet, not quite there yet. Maybe next season. Is she just taking a, a year out? Yeah, I think she's just taking a season out, just kind of chill. I love that we've got a transfer plans already for for a season ahead. Where oh, I'm always a, thinking a whole bunch that. of stuff can happen, but that is the the preparation that we need in this level. Um, look, that is going to be it for part one. We'll be back with part two with a special guest talking NPL men's. And before we dive back into part two, we just want to send a quick thank you out to Balance and Revive Massage Therapy, our latest sponsors here at the Perth Football Podcast. And if you want to get 10% off remedial and sports massages, just go and say hi uh, from the Perth Football Podcast. Use the code PFP23. Uh, that's PFP23. And you get 10% off all remedial and sports massages at Balance and Revive. You can find them in Carambine at 1 Hobson's Gate. And we're back for part two of the Perth Football Podcast. Big shout out to Bedham for coming in and for uh, helping us for the part one. Part two, we've had to kick him out of the booth because the booth's been set on fire. Uh, we've got Malcolm Schumer, who's come all the way in from Belcada. And I think fire is absolutely like perfect for it because they are the volcanoes and their season's been erupting. Some people tipped you to go down. Some people decided not to tip anybody to go down because they wanted to make sure they had friends in the league. And others, like myself, was like, nah. My boy's in that team. He's he's going to hold it down. Team looks good. I trust the old people rear guard, the, 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 the dad's army lineup. And look at you guys. You're doing superbly well. Malcolm, how are you? Good, Kel. Um, uh, so, you know, pleasure to be in the studio. Uh, big fan of the podcast, I must say. Uh, I have to say off the bat, I know the work that you guys are doing across the state, covering as much football as you can is uh, is brilliant. So, yeah, pleasure to be here. I uh, appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it. But look, it's all about you guys right now. Uh, a cracking win. It was a 2-1 win against 
Perth SC in the Ferrari Cup. Were there Ferraris on the on the on the sideline? Because there was a couple Ferraris on the pitch. Yeah, there were three. Uh, three parked uh, on the sideline that I saw. Quite um, yeah, quite some nice cars. And yeah, it was good to um, to go down to Perth and um, get the three points. Uh, three important points for us in the in the context of the season. So um, yeah, you know, we went there with the game plan. Uh, we executed, and um, yeah, fortunately for us, we came away with the three points. We know that you're in the booth with us, but also Sam's in the booth. Hello, Sam. Hey again. Hello again. And uh, Tommy's still in the booth with us as well? I'm still here. Still here, sounding just as good as before. But look, it's been it's been quite a season for you guys. I mean, you've you've joined the club uh, this year. Glenn obviously took over towards the end of last year. Um, and what was the stat? I think it was 19 games or something like that that they had played before before getting the win. And at one stage, you guys were third. You're now well clear of the relegation zone. So... What's what's been the catalyst for this performance? Because maybe you think that you should be even higher. Um, well, look, um, yeah, I obviously joined the club uh, at the end of last season, uh, so I've been working um, at Balcada now for um, yeah since since November last year. And really, to be honest with you, Cal, it's um, it's quite simple for us. You know, we we know where the club has been in the in the last couple of years. Um, you know, not in positions where uh, we'd like to be. Uh, and you know when when Glenn took over last year, I mean he had one one job, you know, and that job was to keep the club in the in the top league, which uh, he he did. Uh, and then this year, really, the focus has been to you know get a bit of stability back into the club, uh, and that starts all the way from you know the juniors and all the way to the to the first team. So the the number one goal really is to get a bit of stability into the club and a, a bit of consistency. And that consistency is consistency in performances, um, consistency in, in training sessions, making sure the standards are high, uh, players are coming in and uh, and doing the job. And, you know, uh, so far, so far, so good. You know, we're only eight games into the season uh, in one of the tightest um, starts to a league I've seen since uh, I've been um, in this country. So all we can do from our end is to, you know, again, hold our standards high, be consistent in training Tuesday, Thursday, and um, go and execute on game day. Yeah, that 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 is such a cool, well polished answer. It's almost <laughs> you had this thing kind of kind of rehearsed. But what what was the kind of game plan going into that game? Because it's it's a local derby, mm-hmm. it's away from home, and it's against a team who up until recently were high flying as well. Yeah, look, um, you know the the game before against Armadale, we came away a bit disappointed, but uh, from that, uh, you know, you scored three goals away from home, you expect to come with something. So we knew that we were, you know, we got goals in us and, uh, you know, especially our form away from home has been has been quite good. So going into that game, um, you know, we knew that Perth were not in the greatest of, of touch. You know, um, we identified areas which we we're going to exploit uh, and, you know, credit goes to the players. You know, they went out there, uh, executed the game plan, um, and look, I think overall we deserve the win and it probably could have been a few more goals, but we'll take the three points. I'm fascinated by your record before, and I did preempt you with this question, but you've won four of your five away games this season, and you've not taken a points at home. Um, so the record is good. You've had four wins and, and I think four defeats from your eight games, so you are comfortably in the in the middle part of the table, um, and, and you have been um, good in the games that I've at least seen you in anyway, especially that round two game against Inglewood. I thought you were magnificent on the day and fully deserved your win, but... Um, what what is it about that record that that speaks the most to you? Obviously, as part of the coaching staff, is it just maybe as simple as that you guys are maybe more suited to be on the road and being that counter attacking team, or is there something more to it? Well, if I told you that, we wouldn't win any games away from home anymore, would we? And but look, you know, in all honesty, jokes aside, we uh, we we're still trying to figure that one out. Uh, you know, we seem to be putting in, um, you know, getting our wins away from home. And and to be honest with you, um, the games we have lost at home. 
uh, apart from ECU, who I thought, you know, were, were you know, uh, really, really good on the day. They, we haven't been outplayed at home. You know, we've been in the game, we've been in, in the contest, and uh, that goes back to what I was talking about with consistency, you know, in terms of performance. Uh, you know, we're putting in the performances at home, just not getting the results. And, uh, look, that's something that we're looking to rectify, and hopefully um, as we move on, we'll get a few a few more wins at home for the Palcata fans. Like I mentioned it earlier, and, and it is it is a bit of a dad's army at the back line, but it's it's Trent K, it's Adam Tong, um, you've you've also got JK in there as well. What's like? How important are those guys in terms of setting the tone and also on the pitch as well? Because I'm sure that they would d- dictate the style of play that you're playing. Because I I doubt as good as Tongi is as as a 40 year old, and I won't be playing at 40. I doubt that he wants to play a high line. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, you you look at that and um, the position that we're in as as a club is we have. Uh, a mixture of um, young, talented players who are, you know, you look at guys like Liam Hudson, Dick Hudson, uh, Ben Hinshelwood, um, you've got Luke in there, Kalen Cooper. These are guys who've played less than 20 games of at the NPL level, right? So they're still learning the trade. So when you have guys like Trent Kay and, and Tongi, um, uh, Fryzy as well, Jack Allen, um, TK the captain, these are guys who have won leagues uh, in their careers, you know, between all of them, uh, add Brent Griffiths to that list as well. These are guys with 20-plus titles all between them. So that experience is invaluable. You know, it's invaluable when you're trying to stabilise a club. And, you know, um, I've never worked with these guys, and I've obviously known about them through uh, through football. It's my first time working with them. And when you're on the training pitch and you see the dedication, the commitment and the hunger and desire they still have to be going, uh, it filters through the rest of the squad. Uh, and that's vitally important. Uh, so... Their experience is invaluable to us, um, the season campaigners, and they're real, real uh, pleasure to work with all across the board. And, um, and and you mentioned some of those younger players. A lot of those players are sort of, um, I called them trusted lieutenants in my uh, preview article I did when I had a chat with Glenn earlier in the season. But they are players who, who came from Quinns with, with Glenn. And um, and obviously some of the experienced guys as well are also guys who, who Glenn knows from around the league. So I suppose... Obviously, as somebody now who's part of the coaching staff yep. with Glenn, um, he's been around the league for a long time. Yep. But what I love about Glenn is he's so authentic and he'll tell you exactly that a spade is a spade and he won't mince his words. And yep. I'm guessing that, I'm guessing that, and, and that's meant to be said in the most positive yep. way. And, I, and I'm sure the boys really appreciate that. And, yep. and we saw the results at the end of last season. It's clearly carried on to this season too. Yeah, look, um, yeah, Glenn is um, he's great to work with. I mean, he... Uh, uh, you know, you got you got Dave uh, Dave through there as well, J- um, Jeff Emery, who are part of the um, coaching staff as well in the first team, and they're all all great guys to work with. But in particular, Glenn, uh, what he does is he he's he's got the ability to make people feel bigger than they are. Do you know what I mean? And he's he's got this um, this immense ability to just keep things. You know, like you say, there's no gray areas with Glenn. It's uh, it's, it's it's black and white. It's just you know this way or that way. But He's um he's a kind of kind of person that you you can learn off. He's got invaluable experience, uh, his record throughout his coaching career. I mean, you mentioned Quinns. I think when he joined them, he took a bunch of um you know relatively unknown kids. Uh, finished third in the table, made a top four final. So when it comes to building a team and stabilizing a club, I don't think you'd want uh, anyone else uh, at the front of the ship. So yeah, no, nah, it's uh, really good. Really good. Kalichi wants to ask you about one player. I know he's been itching to ask you about one of the new signings this season, but I wanted to ask you about a player who's been in the league for quite a while, Jack Allen. Mm. Um, he's a player who came onto my radar when he was at Floria, so that shows you how long I've been sort of covering the league for. But um, he's had his injury issues the past couple of seasons or yep. a few seasons, and um, at, at 
Bayswater where he was last season, he was almost playing in the centre of defence, which yeah. I remember him coming through as a midfielder. And yeah. we're starting, uh, whether that's just because he's confident now with his fitness and he's getting back up to full speed, we're seeing him play in that midfield along with Jack Leach and... Um, and I think Ryan Pearson sort of mills through there a little bit as well. Um, and he's been so impressive. He's looking back to his best, and he's another big reason why you guys are, are looking so dangerous going forward too. Yeah, I think you've hit the, uh, the nail on the head there, uh, Tommy. Is uh, you know Jack is a is is a, a fantastic uh, technician. You know, I've um, I've never seen anyone that can strike the ball as cleanly as he does uh, on a you know consistent basis. But he's got more to his game, um, which. Uh, enables us to play the way we, we want to play. And he's, uh, you know, ultimate professional. He's captain Bayswater in the past. He's won titles. And then I think the biggest thing for Jack at the moment is he's enjoying his football again. You know, he's in a team that's that's happy, a team that's, you know, looking to improve, that's determined. And the environment around him, you know, uh, is enabling him to um, get, you know, uh, close to what he, you know, he used to be before the injuries. And I think, yeah, at the moment he's enjoying his football. And I think um, his work in the midfield with uh, with JC at the moment um, is, you know, holding us in good stead. Now, those two cover a lot of ground for us in both uh, offensive and defensive transition. And, um, yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's good. It's good to see Jack uh, doing what he loves best. And, uh, yeah, hopefully continues for us because uh, he's definitely an important player for the squad. And um, from me, I, I can see that you're quite um, excited about working with new people and, and the group of players that you're with now. So the last time we spoke to each other was on our B licence. But yeah. um, I guess from a coach's point of view, how, how has that helped you develop yourself as a coach and have these players that are, you said were you know like very experienced and stuff have they helped you as a coach as well as you helping them yeah look on, on, a, on a personal level sam that's uh i feel very fortunate you know um at the end of i think i was at the end of next season i'll be 10 years into into coaching so of which most of that has been spent uh, with under 18s and under 20s and it wasn't until um last season that i you know stepped into a first team role assisting uh richie at forestfield and now i'm with glenn at mpl level and i think the biggest difference is uh working with with the younger ones there's certain elements of coaching that you have to adhere to and instill. We're now working with a much more senior group, uh, learning so much of, of Glenn and of Davey and Jeff as well in terms of the man management of, of senior players, how to have certain conversations, how to set teams up differently, how to, you know, when, you, when you're coaching 18s and 20s, the, you know, it's all about development and getting the boys up where now three o'clock football is about, you know, the three points, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's been a, a big shift in mentality uh, for myself. But honestly, uh, the boys have been great, um, not just learning of the coaches, but everyone around the support group, the senior players as well. And um, that's it's the next step in my personal career. And I'm uh, really enjoying it at the moment. So when Perth scored first, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. So when Perth scored first, were you were you sweating a bit because it's three o'clock and you're. <laughs> uh, do you know what? Um, with, with the way our group is at the moment, we we've seen that. Um, I think at Inglewood as well, we were down one nil, came back and won that game. Uh, at Kingsway, uh, it was two two, and we went and scored the winner. Uh, Sterling again, we held them off after going two two nil up. So when we went down one or to Perth, uh, with the mentality of this group and what they've shown us. Um, no panic stations, really. You know, I, I, we looked on the pitch and you could see all the experienced boys and this is where that experience counts. Uh, you know, they just settled everything, got the boys together, were confident in our game plan, got to halftime at one all, uh, changed a few things at halftime and came out second half and, and executed. So, yeah, look, at the moment, like I said, we're just um, going about our business, but we're confident in every game that we can uh, get something out of it. Yeah. Look, I am... Um 
I've only got to see you guys once, and that was on the night series. And one of the players that stood out was I think it's Kyoto Yamamoto. Yeah, bruv. <laughs> um, like his his touch, his pace, um, his creativity. Mm. He's he's super strong. He doesn't look like a huge guy, but yeah. he rides tackles really really well. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw him two days after coming off a plane and, and changing temperature <laughs> in, in entirely yeah. different surroundings. But he has been an absolute talisman for the side. So how have you constructed a team to to get the best out of him? And also like what what's he brought to the team as well? Uh, look at when you have players of uh, Couture's uh, caliber in your team. It's uh, it's one of those uh, moments, you know, uh, as a coach and stuff, and as a team that at, at any point in in the match, you know, he could he could turn the game. You know, he's one of those players where, you know, he never stops working, um, and he will try things in the final third. He takes a lot of risks, and we we accept that as a team because uh, you know all you need is one or two of those golden moments to come through and it's an opportunity and, and it's a goal. So um, really, I think the whole club, uh, Balcada, uh, has been has been brilliant. You know, he's come in, young lad from a different country, uh, still learning the language. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we help everyone's, you know, chipping in and helping him with that. But uh, he's a much, much loved player amongst the, amongst the squad. And, uh, you know, what he brings uh, to the team is uh, something different to what we have. Uh, and that's always a, a good thing to have uh, in your squad. And the last one from me, I was sort of on a broader picture of the league and we might be able to use this to transition into the results from the other games. But you might have hinted at it earlier, but who's the best team that you've seen so far this season? And by extension, who do you think are the teams to beat this season in the league? Um, Or or perhaps even the teams that you guys have to leapfrog to make sure that you do get into the top four or or even push that little bit higher. Yeah, look, I think... um it's well known. It's the most uh, unpredictable league, to, especially for you guys as pundits. To <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore, mate. Come on. You should just be happy we don't pick you guys to win because whenever we pick you to win, it doesn't it happen. It doesn't happen. Uh, but look, uh, from the teams we've played, um, look, I think Perth Red Star, um, you know, they were, they were just on the day, just really, really got it together. I mean, when you have players like Daryl Nicol and, and Chock Dow and, you know, now they've got Liam Reddy in goal, oh, that experience is, is invaluable. But, um, yeah, so, so far of the teams have played, I'd say they've probably been, been the best team. Uh, and then, you know, you look at, at Bayswater at the moment, they've uh, picked up a bit of form after the first game where they lost to Sorrento 4-2, I think it was. Um, they've come back, they hit their stride. So, uh, you know, you can't rule out Sterling either. You know, they've got a lot of quality in, in that side. So, you know, if, you, if you're looking at that, those are probably um, the big boys, you'd, you'd say. And, uh, you know, you'll be probably expecting them to be challenging for the, for the league at the end of the year. Well, look, we will do a quick wrap-up of all the games. We did quite a bit on the uh, Sorrento-Floriot game. So if you want to check that out, go on, our, uh, on the stream that you're listening now. You'll be able to find a previous podcast called The Full-Time Whistle. Um, that'll give you a decent wrap-up about that. I did want to get a chance and speak about Olympic Kingsway because there was also a Dogzo incident on that one as well. So, Dogzo. Dogzo. And yeah, so Tommy, did you get a chance to see it and see see what you thought? Because it, it looked a little bit... For those who haven't seen it, um, it is... Oh, what's his name again here? The, the centre-back who... Magix. Yeah, great centre-back. Um, he's kind of dilly-dallying on the ball, loses it, burns snips in, takes a touch past him, he brings him down. A pull of the ge- little pull of the jersey. A little pull of the jersey, and he's shown a red card. But if you look to your right-hand side, um, you've got Lat Matiang, who's kind of like cover- coming in and cover. And when I sent it to Sean, he said, oh, looks like a dog zone, but I can see 
He said it looks it doesn't look like a dog zoo, but I can see why the referee has given it. So I wanted to see what you thought about that. I personally thought it wasn't a red card. I, I thought that it was. And again, I'm I'm not a referee, so these are just my humble opinions. But I thought it was maybe a little bit too far away from the goal. If it was maybe on the edge of the area and that incident happened, I can maybe see why the red card would have been produced. I think the distance and the proximity from goal was probably a bit too far out. And to your point as well, Kalicha, I thought Light was probably going to get there on the cover or at least put himself in a position where he was able to at least get across and make it a bit more difficult for Byrne to not run in and score. I also think that's like, I think there's so much to calculate here, right? Yeah. Because you've got, you've got, okay, the distance from the goal, um, has the foul been taken place? Is there cover? I think the other thing that referees have to think about is who is the covering player, right? Because if it was, I don't know, someone slow like myself covering and it's chopped out through on goal, then like give, give the person a straight red card because I, I'm not going to go near chalk. But it's David Byrne who, again, he's not, He's not slow, but he's not chocked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's. Did you just say David Byrne as well? Sorry, <laughs> Birdie. I'm I'm really sorry. <laughs> He'll love that. Tuffy will love that actually. But um, <laughs> wasn't he a singer? Uh, I know way too many people with the same <laughs> familiar last names, and I feel like such an old man right now. The only other thing I was going to bring up was sometimes the, the referee's position as well. Um, sometimes these things can happen very quickly within a game, and sometimes like that sort of perception of maybe the depth and, and the proximity of how far the player is actually away from goal. Sometimes that can sort of skew you off guard. So if it looks as though the sh- if he stood slightly behind the plane, he can see the shirt's being pulled, um, then vertically it just looks like he's straight through on goal. So there's all these different factors, as you say, Kalichi. I'm not sure what the other guys think, but we could maybe talk about Did you get a chance to see it? No, I haven't had a chance to uh, have a look at it yet. Uh, but look, it's, it's always a, t- a tough one for the officials. You know, Unfortunately, they don't have the... Um, the option to go to VAR <laughs> and review the uh, the decisions, uh, but look, uh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. No, look, that that's that's all good. the The other thing to mention of that game is um, Perth took the lead. Uh, it was a cross that came in. Goalkeeper's got the ball. If you go see the highlights, it kind of looks like the goalkeeper's about to catch it again, and then gets like a chicken wing from the odd rushing striker. Um, Tuffy looked absolutely incensed on the sideline. You see him stand up, and he's just like, "That's oh, a free kick." Wait, it's not a free kick, and he looks at the lines when it just goes absolutely crazy. But credit to um, Kingsway, because speaking to them, speaking to, to players on the team and to the staff, and we've said it so many times that they are such a good team, 18-yard to 18-yard, um, and their style of play needs them to score the first goal because it's really difficult to then give teams the space to counterattack and hit them on set pieces or hit them on with, with, piece, with pace at the back. Um, but they came back uh, into that game, and they won it 2-1. And from what I have seen of the game and from the reports that I have heard and from another coach of mine um, who was watching the game, he said that Liam Murray was unbelievable, just completely unplayable this game. And and when you talk about players who can give you something extra or give something, he's he's one of those players on his day. He's very much like that. He, he is a player who is, it's a cliche, but he can be unplayable. When he's on song, we've seen it at Florida, we've seen it at Red Star over the years. He's fantastic. Um Kingsway just humming along very nicely. I know they're only sixth in the league, but that is four wins in five games now. And I think they're getting back to that position where we all in our preseason predictions thought they would be sort of in and around that mix of the top four. Some of them had them in the four, um, but they're looking very strong. And as you say, um, I suppose you guys maybe as coaches can come in on this a little bit, but when you are coaching a team, if you've got a brand of football in place that you're very confident in and believe, and I'll come to you first, Sam, um, 
and you do realize that you perhaps only have to tweak a little bit around the edges, perhaps in the final third or in that defensive third, is that easier to do than perhaps when you've got to sort of completely reshuffle things and go about things in a different manner? For sure, because you, everyone knows their roles within within that playing style, within that, I guess, system as such. And then if you're just tweaking little things here and there, whether it's through injuries or just because you just want to make it a little bit more fluid, then you don't have to change everything. Whereas if you're going in and you're having to change a whole new style and then asking someone who's a centre-back who likes playing this way to play a different way, then you can upset the whole rhythm of the group off the field as well as a, as well as on it. So there's no confusion. They, they 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 know what they want to do. It's just about they, they average sixty percent to sixty five percent of the ball based on the stats that we get from you know from from the stat sheets, right? So you you would go into that game knowing, all right, they'll have a lot of the ball. We'll stay tight. We'll stay compact. We'll hit them on the counter and be good at set pieces. It's it's an obvious strategy to go against them because you're not going to go and press high up against them because that's exactly what they want. But, it, but then there's there's ways that you can maybe utilize the 60%. Better. Mm. I've not seen Kingsway in full in the last couple of weeks, but you can move the ball quicker. You can maybe throw in a, a firmer pass more so often to try and get the ball from A to B a little bit quicker rather than passing the oh, ball a sure. little bit slowly and pedestrian-like across the back and allowing the defense to just move across so easily. But, um, yeah, no, been really impressed with what I've seen from, from Kingsway overall. And just quickly, um, for the glory, Jaden Gorman, who scored in his last four MPL goals, now we're starting to see the He's the guy with the chicken wing? He was, he was the one that scored the first, yeah. But, um, yeah, four games in a row he's scored now, and he's starting to show the promise that we saw at Glory and at Perth Soccer Club. Yeah, uh, um, just, to, just, to, just to finish off on Kingsway, I, I did speak to some of the staff there, and they said that they listened to the podcast and basically told the boys, look, we are probably one of the best teams 18-yard to 18-yard. We just need to be more ruthless and efficient. We need to be – I think I think the key thing that they've done there is almost in a basketball sense is you need to get – the best players on your team, the ball and the places where they feel most comfortable. And so you can see that you're go, go watch the goal that, that, that Liam scores. He's, he's already inside the box. His feet are so far, so tricky that you know that if anything happens, he's going to get a penalty. And maybe it's now getting players like that, the ball in those situations and areas where it's now a little bit more decisive. And quietly, I think they've kept two clean sheets and three only conceded one in the last three games. So they've, they've kind of set up shop on the back end there as well. And, and if that's the goal that you're conceding as the one that, at, that you can see, then you're probably a little bit happier on that end as well. Um, did anyone see the Sterling Macedonia game? I, that was this, this was one I went on 2.0 speed on streamer because yeah. it was a goalless <laughs> draw and I was, I was looking, but, but there was a couple of chances um, in the second half. Um, Ashen Nelson crossed for Kingsley Ashen, who had a header. He's been really good, actually. Um, maybe not quite had the goal return. I think we were hoping to see based on the preseason. Um, but he certainly adds a different outlet to them. And, um, yeah, he had a good header, which was saved by um, by Michael Craggs. And at the other end, Jesse Lazaro had a lob, which went over James Bosdep, but came back off the post. So there was chances for both teams to win it. I think Coburn will be happy with the point on the road. It just keeps them ticking along nicely. Um, they're in a pretty they're in a pretty good position compared to where I think everybody would have predicted them at the start of the season and and for Sterling it's I don't want to say it's more of the same because they had obviously the best defense in the league last season they've proven this season that they've been very watertight I think you mentioned it before a little bit as well Malcolm but um the thing is is um 
you've just that they're still trying to find that formula in the final third, and I think once they do find that, I think they're going to be very difficult to beat. It was one of the reasons why I had them as my title favourites. They've not quite got there yet, but the fact that they are third in the league and they're just sort of lurking and they've not quite clicked into gear, I think is something to keep an eye on. I think they're going the right direction, Javi and Ashen Nelson, send the crosses into Kingsley Eshin, though, because I'll, I'll say this all the time. That guy is, he's huge, he's strong, he's so powerful, he's really commanding, and the amount of times that he spends out wide sending the crosses into the box to not him blows my mind. Could you imagine Didier Drogba crossing it in for, I don't know, Iron Robin or something like that? And if they can get Alex Tanevsky also back to his night series form as well. Uh, he, he picked up an injury against Perth a couple of weeks ago, but he's a player that's also got the ability to provide that bit of spark as well. And um, It might be a little bit difficult for them, sorry to interrupt, because Zivkovic, I think, has got himself an opportunity. Um, that came out during the week as yes. well. He's got an opportunity to go to go out stateside and, and play some college football there, so that'll be a great opportunity for the young man. Um, and Stoneman and obviously Perth, who uh, clubs that he's played for previously, will be really proud to be able to send some talent over there. But in terms of this season right now, that's another attacking player that they aren't going to quite have. Um, I don't think that um, Spasevsky played in the game as well. So they've still got some players who are going to be coming back and might be able to release the likes of Calvin Whitney to play further upfield as well. So plenty plenty of work there. It's certainly not the panic stations um, at, at Sterling, is it, Tommy? Uh, I know where you're going with this, Kalichi. Let's, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. <laughs> Come on. You teased it before. Um, is it panic stations for Floriot? I, I think four losses in a row would say, yeah. Uh, I, I sort of thought that the away game against Sorrento this week, who were bottom, and then the home game against Coburn next week were the two big games. Um, they've lost the first of those. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm throwing in a caveat. They're only five points off. I know being being right at the top of the league, but off second place. So, whilst the form is alarming, and in a sense it is panic stations in that way, we are we do know they are a team of experience who can turn it on at any time. Um, but to answer your original question, yes, my Floriot stock has dwindled. Um, the stock market's been very volatile. I'm worried. I've <laughs> I've worried. I've held off, too, held long off too long, and. It's kind of plummeted. I might, as the well moon, just, man. I might as well just hold on to it now rather than trading out for a loss. So we'll see if they can respond. They're at home to Coburn this week. And I think if they lose five in a row, I think that will be alarming. Not just because of the form run, but also now you're starting to see teams like Red Star, like Bayswater and Kingsley, uh, sorry, Kingsway starting to get that little bit of momentum. And if they're starting to pull away and Florida and keep dropping points, that's a recipe for a, not a lot of success for them going forward. I think we can segue this to, to, to both the coaches here, which is really cool to be able to say that we've got two uh, <laughs> B-licensed great coaches here. Um, speaking to some of the coaching staff after the game and speaking to some of the players, you could just tell that they're just lacking in confidence right now. And it's it's that classic thing where, and you could obviously see, we won't speak about the United that you want to speak about, but you could even <laughs> see in Marcus Rashford last season where 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 there's opportunities there this year he took with one touch, whereas last year he would have taken the second one and then got tackled. Um, and you can see that in the players that they just don't have that same level of confidence or they don't remember the muscle memory of we are champions. We've won 13 games in a row to, to close out a league season. So for both of you, I take your time, speak um, freely. How would you as a coach try to get that confidence back into players? Because you, you've got players who are title-winning players. They're just lacking in confidence now and doing things that they probably wouldn't normally do and then not making saves or tackles or, or, or passing off the same type of trajectory that you usually would do. 
Well, look, I'm, I'm probably one who's uh, not buying into the thought that Florida done, um, mainly because, you know, I've, I've, I find it difficult to dismiss a team that's been so successful in the last, you know, three, four years. You know, they still have champions in the team, still got really, really good players. So, um, look, from the outside looking in, it does look like a, a form slump, but, you know, um, they, they've got enough quality in, in that team. And, you know, as we've seen over the years in the league. Politician. No, no. Politician. <laughs> is it in the league? In this in this league, all it takes is a run of three, four games. And with the way the league is so watertight, you're back up at the top. So uh, in terms of, you know, getting confidence back to players, I mean, it's uh, really, you know, remi- I suppose reminding them of what's made them successful, I suppose. Uh, if you're talking about your own team and what's got them to the level they're at. But um, look, that's, um, you know, unfortunately for, for Florida. That's you don't want to tell them how to get their confidence back. That's fair enough. <laughs> that's Sam, not, how, that's how, how will responsibility. <laughs> I think I think it depends. Each playing group's obviously different. Sort of different personalities in there will mean you react differently each each time. But I think if you look at it, they, they are, are going to win again. That's, that's, that's... I hope so. That's they, they will. The they will. And and you're you're saying it's just four games, and every team has a period, a patch where I think every season they go through and they go through a slump where they're like, oh, are we going to win this? And I think really you just peel it all back. It might be different for me because obviously coaching the girls and girls and and like males and females football is is very different. But it, like for me, you would just set a smaller smaller goal. So instead of let's. Don't even think about the end result right now. Let's think about, can we do this a bit better? Can we do this in defence a bit better? Can we do this in midfield? Can we achieve this? And then once you start, usually that those small wins result in a performance that usually ends up going on to getting a point, which can be all the difference as well. Yeah, that's 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 superb advice there. <laughs> uh, I wasn't gonna give that, Kel. We play them in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we use Florian's home ground, so yeah, you, you, you got to be nice. We well, I also use it, also use Britannia to train as yeah, well. Yeah, I do. Golfers, so yeah, we, we got to be nice too. Well, we're all being safe because Sean Fry, the mischievous so and so, just wants a uh, a clickbait hot take from me and. Um, I'm not going to give you one, Sean. You can listen to this. You're going to be disappointed. And I look forward to the grilling you're going to give me this week when uh, when Floriot bounce back against your beloved cockerels. Look, before before we wrap up, um, do you want to do some some uh, Premier League chat? Should I do some Premier League chat? You, Tommy, your guys got a big-time result. Unfortunate you didn't make it 2-0, but you're still in with a chance. Uh, the chance is um, generous, yeah. Um yeah, I'm a bit flat. Um, it was a good point in isolation. Um, Newcastle, a good team. They're obviously pushing for the Champions League. Um, and it breaks a pretty awful run of form that we've been on. But the point is only as good as the results around you at this stage of the season. Um, Leicester obviously playing your beloved Liverpool tonight, Kalichi. We need a big favour. That would be very nice. Thank you very much. More than um, happy to give it to you, mate. But, um, but yeah, obviously Manchester City helps us out by beating Everton. So, yeah, it is tight. Um, the fixtures are kinder to a couple of the other teams around us. We've got West Ham away. Hopefully there's a bit of Europa League fatigue and then Spurs on the final day and they're Jekyll and Hyde. We don't know who's showing up um, on, on that day with Spurs. And I think Everton have got Wolves and Bournemouth. So, look, it's a tall order, but anything can happen. Football's a funny game, as we've we've spoken about on so many occasions. I'm looking at the goal difference there, and it's it's really tight, Tommy. <laughs> like it's really it's a point. It's it's not even a point. It, yeah, it's just a point. It's a point and a goal. Kalichi, I am an optimist when it comes to football <laughs> in WA, but I am the biggest pessimist when it comes to Leeds United. 
Uh, we won't talk about the two Uniteds that we were told for you to speak about. Um, I've got a Manchester United embargo, do I? Yeah, you've got a Manchester United. <laughs> it's been, it's, the club is more than happy for you to speak about the club, but, but I was told specifically by a handsome young man who helps me with the team sheets <laughs> to make sure that you do not talk about, about that team. Fair enough. We'll stay um, away from it. But look, we'll finish off. Uh, you've got... I was just going to bring up as well. Sorry to interrupt you, Kalichi. Should mention as well, Kalichi, that there is Australia Cup games this week. Um, we there's a couple of big games coming up. Obviously, we we got to one in Fremantle City versus Perth Soccer Club in round three. I'm not sure we're going to see any games as wild as as what we saw last time. But um, among some of the ties that that are coming up this week, we've got um, Swan United playing Sterling Macedonia. We've got um, Inglewood United playing Gosnells. Um, and Fremantle City are playing Olympic Kingsway. So there's plenty of football around on um, a Tuesday and Wednesday this week if you want to go out and catch some cup games. And as we mentioned before, there's a women's game on Wednesday as well if, you, if you're around D&D Leader Stadium like you will be, Kalichi. Yeah, I will be, actually. You, you, can, you can either go and watch the NPL Women's or you can go and watch North Perth United train. I know which one I'd rather be at. I will actually finish watching... Uh, being part of North Perth United train and then go watch the NPL Women's so I can figure out all the things that I did completely wrong with my technique. <laughs> um, but look, we'll, we'll finish off asking you some of the questions that we ask and some new questions. So uh, Twilight, Hunger Games or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Never had you a Harry Potter guy. Yeah, I read, I read all seven books. Uh, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to that. So yeah, Harry Potter all day. Um, best footballer you have coached? Oh dear. <laughs> best footballer I have coached? Ah, uh, jeez. If I say Adam Tong, I'll get a massive fine from the boys. So, uh, <laughs> Brookie. Um, best football I've coached. I'll probably go with Joseph Ford because he's now part of the Glory team and he's now playing for Australia under twenties as well. So, yeah, I'll probably go with Joseph Ford. Hardest footballer to coach against? Hardest footballer to coach against? Um, you have to make a plan against that footballer. Well, considering most of my career has been in, in under 18s and 20s, it's probably the guy you spoke about playing for glory right now. Uh, Jaden Gorman always tore me apart in junior. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's been my hardest one. And a uh, favorite footballer growing up as well? Uh, I had two. Uh, Thierry Henry, uh, one. So how did you end, not end up supporting Arsenal? Uh, I've got no idea. It's a long story, and I'm uh, banned from talking about Manchester United. So, uh, <laughs> now nah, Thierry Henry and uh, Didier Drogba. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, look, that is all the time we have had. Malcolm, thank you so much. Thank An absolute you, pleasure having you in the studio. Any more for any more from yourself, Sam? Mm, no, no. no, all good? All good. Tommy, any more for any more? Not really. Just get out and keep supporting the local game. It's great. Men's, women's, we've got plenty going on at the moment. Tight title races and um, interesting races for the top four as well. Get around it. It's yeah, awesome. Get out and watch the games. It's an absolute pleasure. The People are doing so much, doing working so hard. And the quality is really, really good. And the league is so super tight as well. So, yeah, go out and watch some games. And uh, if you did not know that Mother's Day was on Sunday, try to make it up this Sunday as well. Yeah, thanks, Cole. And again, thank you for the work you guys do here at the Perth Football Podcast. Uh, just one last favor. Please tip against us this week. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you playing? Sorrento, Sorrento away. away. Sorrento yeah. away. They, 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 they wanted that game so bad. We'll, we'll have to put this into another part of the podcast. But yeah, they wanted that game so bad and it'll be a tough game. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know who we tip uh, nice and early and put the eyes emoji there just for you as well. What about you, Sam? Who, who have you guys got this weekend? At Balcala. Oh, here mm -hmm. we go. A little bit of, uh, of in-studio rivalry. How did this not come up earlier? <laughs> 
Yeah, and our our, our, our Balcata women's team got a nice two uh, one win, eh, against uh, Perth on the weekend, which was which was fantastic. So a good day for the club on Saturday. It's a huge yeah. day for the club. Their twenty ones win as well. Yeah, I missed that one. Yes, yeah, that's right. I ask anymore for any more, and everyone says no. And now we're talking three <laughs> months later. Jeez, <laughs> that was it. No more. All right, bye bye, everybody. See ya. Yeah.
we have some awesome news. That's Malcolm. <laughs> 